0: This episode is sponsored by 5.11 Tactical, a company who I've used for well over a decade now and who are reaching out to you guys, the audience, to offer you 15%, not only off one purchase, but an ongoing 15% that will only ever be trumped if something is even for sale for a higher discount than that 15%. I'm going to give you that discount code in just a moment, but I want to talk about another product and showcase that, and that is the AMP, which is the All Missions Pack. So what they've done with this, they've taken an extremely comfortable backpack, you know, hiking quality with some incredible webbing and straps to really even out that load. But they've added what they call the gear set. I think this is extremely pertinent for us because we are jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. And we're not just a firefighter or a police officer. You're a father, you're an athlete, you're a hiker, you're a gun owner, whatever it is that you use. And so each of these sets can be added to the pack or taken off. So for me personally... I have the Shove-It kit, which allows me to put in brush gear and actually slide my helmet in there if I deploy on a brush fire. Uh, there is a med pouch, which I think doubles very well for a wash bag. Again, I snap it on if I go to the station, and then I can remove it for the next two days when I don't need it. So it allows you to have one backpack that's extremely versatile. There's also an element where if you do have weapons, you go into the range. You can have a short barrel rifle in there. There's a concealed carry pocket. So extremely versatile all around one specific backpack. So the discount code for this and anything else on their site is SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5. And as I said, that will get you a discount over and over again if you go to www.511tactical.com. Welcome to episode 326 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week I'm so excited to welcome back onto the podcast, Chad Belger. Now, for any of you listening that have not heard my first interview with Chad, episode 164, I highly recommend you stop this right now, go back, listen to that one first, and then come back to this one. Chad is a good friend of mine. He is a veteran. He is a career firefighter. And about three years ago, Hit Crisis found himself deeply in alcoholism to the point of almost taking his own life and then had an incredible journey out of that horrendous time. So I highly recommend that you listen to the first part first, and then transition to this one. So we recorded this right at the beginning of isolation, and ironically, I had some similar themed interviews that I'd just done, so it took me a few weeks to actually put this out. So that's why we will hear some of the conversations sound very early coronavirus, um, but I think the timing is perfect, because now we're looking a little bit more retroactively at the effects that we've seen the last few months but we talk about a host of things from the impact of this isolation on mental health uh, the challenges of addiction during this time and the incredible organization that Chad has founded now recovery rx where he creates a workout space for anyone who struggled with addiction to come together work out together and be part of the solution so before we get to that interview as i always say please just take a moment go to whichever app you listen to this on subscribe to the show leave feedback and leave a rating. The five-star ratings really do make us more visible for people looking for a podcast like this. And as I've mentioned over and over again, this is a free library for you, the audience, to use however you would like. So use personally, share it, use it in a department, and organization. And all I ask in return is that you help share these episodes. The more and more men and women that we can get these powerful stories to, the more lives we're gonna save. So that being said, I introduce to you my good friend, chad belger enjoy all right so we are sitting here for the second time with my good friend chad are you good with us using the last name yeah, now? yeah man it's all good now <laughs> yeah Um, so we did the interview literally about a year ago, wasn't it? Yep. Exactly. Exactly a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. So you told your story, which I know, um, hit home with so many people. I know you mentioned your own department coming out. I had so many other people reaching me, uh, reaching out to me. Um, and a year later, you know, we're revisiting and I know there's some, there's many things that you want to talk about. Um, so why don't we start with, the journey from a year ago to now, and then I know there were some other things that you wanted to to maybe say that you hadn't then as well. So I'm just going to give you the mic initially, and then we'll just see where it goes.
1: Okay. So yeah. So our last interview was right around my first sobriety anniversary, and now we're just past my second Congratulations. Um, two years, three months. Uh, the 28th of this month. Thank you very much. And yeah, um, when when I sat down with you the first time, I, I really. I couldn't have imagined that life could have continued to get better. But, um, even since then, I've found, I've found more peace. I've found more ways to be of service and life just continually gets better. Um, I've recently engaged. Um, that's going great. That, that also is something that I could have never imagined would be a part of my life again. I had resigned myself to the life of a bachelor, but, uh, God had other plans. And, um, and yeah, uh, having that, having that experience to be able to sit down with you and share my story and go through the uncomfortability of doing that and put myself out there <clears throat> really paid dividends that I couldn't have imagined. I have, I've had people reach out for me locally. I've had people reach out for me from really all over the country. And, and it's, it's the same, it's the same thing that I felt when I was trying to get sober is how can I get what? this person has and the answer is always the same it's it's surrender it's um it's willingness to do whatever who whoever you want to hit your wagon to you have to be willing to let that person for the most part do your thinking for you for a little while because again you saw me at my at the at the end of my rope and i was in no shape to be making decisions And, um, I had isolated myself completely from anybody who tried to care about me. I had no tribe. We keep using that term because it's just the perfect term. You know, it's, I had no tribe. And, um, what I've tried to do is, um, because I know how impactful that was for me to feel so isolated and so alone. And I've tried, I've tried to create, uh, a space for people who are going through similar things, whether it be drugs and alcohol, depression suicidal thoughts or just not being able to quite get it together for lack of a better term create a space for those people to just get out do some positive things and and just connect with some really freaking cool people yeah well just to touch on that this is
0: very pertinent we are here roughly six feet away from each other in the middle of the uh the corona uh pandemic um just for everyone to be clear, Chad is literally the only house guest I've had in two weeks. So we're trying to minimize this. Everything else will be done over Skype, but, I'm very keen. um, but that being said, so you hit the word isolation or self isolation, which sure. ironically up till two weeks ago, people mm-hmm. had never mm-hmm. even heard of that term. Now it's, you know, on everyone's lips. Yeah. But that's a very important point is when we self isolate, we are doing good things for spreading this virus and in many cases, not so good things for mental health. Um, I found myself, I actually was, um, I took a month off drinking completely. It was awesome, but the boredom, you know, and I'm keeping myself very busy, but that is contributing to drinking a bit. Now, not again, not, not in any way, shape or form in a bad way. However, that's great because I'm in a good mental space. Someone who's not, you know, it's going to contribute to. To exactly what you were in then. So, what's your kind of thoughts coming from that background, with some of the people that find themselves isolated now?
1: Yeah. So I, that's a it's a huge problem for people like me, um, just in general, but especially in times like these when when things things can seem a little grim. Uh, you really got to double down on on reaching out. Uh, one thing that addicts are great about is waiting for someone to save them um waiting for you know just something something to click or or the right person to put their hand out well we have some responsibility in that too obviously you reach a certain point where you're not capable of making those choices but if you're just if you're just feeling alone if you're just drinking a little bit too much reach out to somebody you know reach out to somebody there there are online resources for meetings there's online resources for therapy uh everybody's got a friend they can call And if you don't feel like you got a friend you can call, call me. I'll fucking talk to you. Um, because I know just how, how damaging that could be. Um, so, so yeah, so isolating is just, is part of our disease. And, um, having, having it sort of forced on us now and keeping us from being able, being able to go to our meeting places and get with our people. And talk about what's going on with us could be a real, a real pitfall for people who aren't on solid footing in their recovery. Mm. And it really does worry me. It really worries me for, it worries me just in general. And it worries me for the people that I'm working with now. Yeah. Cause it's too easy. It's too easy to say, I'll call tomorrow. And that's gotten me in trouble before. So I know it can happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the, the sad thing is, 300 episodes, pretty much is where we're at now. And there are a few very strong common denominators from so many people from life stories like you, from the, you know, the, the scientific side that have all these psychologists and psychiatrists have had on. But nature, the healing power of nature. And like you said, the tribe, so, so important, which is why, you know, I've discussed this. I think we see when a cohesive crew is. is is working together, I think there's a lot of mental strength. And when people get hurt, when they retire, when they promote, they get into a crew that they fucking hate, yeah. <laughs> which let's face it, that's loss of tribe. I mean, sure. I, I was there very recently. Um, you you lose that. So that's even, you know, in in an environment where at least you can go out and function normally. Well, now you've got that compounded with you have to stay. At home, well, I, I normally, you know, the the beach was my thing. Well, sorry, all the beaches are closed. You know, well, my church is where I went. I my mean, spiritual vibe now, nah, sorry, they're closed too. You can go on Skype, and it's like, yeah, well, that's better, definitely better, better nothing, but, but yeah. it's not human interaction. So, what do you think some of the solutions are at the moment during this
1: for people that might be teetering on the edge? Uh, well, it, it's really it's really tough, you know. I, I everyone. In this, you know, time needs to, you know, follow follow the guidelines that are set out. Yeah, we all need to do our due diligence. But I firmly believe that people still need to be getting outside as much as possible. I think it's a huge mistake to shut down public places. Do we need to have uh, flotilla parties at the, you know, at the sandbar? Probably not. Have huge gatherings at the park or whatever. No, but... Definitely just go for a walk. I mean, throw your, throw your ruck on and just go get out in some sun and do your thing. Um, I know that's, that's, that's what I intend to do during this time of isolation. Um, I can't, um, I can't tolerate the, just being inside. Yeah, I I just can't do it. Um, Maybe I'm being a little bit selfish, but you can find me outside running. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think i selfish. The word isolation
0: means on your own doesn't mean in your home you know to it's a big misunderstanding and if you're in a in a a closed space where all everything's shut and you know let's say you're further north and the heat's on everything's multiplying and growing and spreading versus you know putting it out into the atmosphere where it's not going to hurt anyone anyway you know so there's i think that that's a huge misunderstanding i'm hoping to be able to visit some of our beaches you know again that we pretty much deserted um and just walk and you know just be present there um but yeah, I think that's that uh, what's being told to us that and the, the fear mongering versus the truth, which, you know, as both as first responders, we understand the, the medical side um, is it's probably not going to have that big an infa- impact on a healthy, cohesive family. But all the people that are on their own, I can remember when I, was, I moved out, I was in an apartment on my own. I was if I think about being depressed, even though my my divorce was awful I'd say that the time of my own in this apartment was probably the most depressing because I left a
1: family of five on a farm to sit in an apartment. It's miserable. I think that um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there as well um, to sort of reconnect on a more like small group level, mm-hmm. and to also uh, take the take this time. I I, I know for me, I, I will probably come out of this physically healthier because I won't be able to beat my body down to twice a day, you know, for the next several weeks. So I'm going to go back to basics and do, you know, for my body, I'm going to do more structural balance stuff, yoga, you know, work on the shoulder, that sort of thing. And uh, for, for me mentally, there's been some projects that have been kind of on the sidelines just because life is so crazy. So I'm going to try to attack those while I have a little more downtime because you know side jobs are off right now and everybody's just kind of laying low and taking it easy so i'm gonna try to make the most of it yeah yeah and i think that's
0: that's very important too and I'm, i'm trying to find a way of doing a video that will articulate this thought but i'm in the same space like i've i've done i've worked out consistently for 14 years now since i started crossfit and you know apart from uh injuries which even then I was able to kind of work around apart from the early back one um but I kind of tweaked a hamstring in the the stunt audition kicking oh. as high as I thought I could <laughs> which my body was like yeah nah <laughs> um but anyway that led to some some knee issues again um kind of putting my knees in less than perfect conditions and then the meniscus tear I kind of caused it to lock up again so and it but it's forced me to go completely the other way like i don't care about strength i don't care about cardio right now and i see that you know everyone's social media let's keep working out let's keep working out or you could not and like you said do yoga do foundation training work on strict gymnastic movements you know like you said get the mental practice start headspace do that free 10-day thing whatever it is but you don't have to keep crushing yourself every day it's, it's actually a good thing to take some time off and do some
1: self-care I think, uh, you and I are probably in the same boat. Like everyone that I'm around is a, is a top performer in whatever it is that they're doing. So, you know, that, that generally means that they are just crazy driven, super busy people. And so now this, uh, you know, sort of a, a slow, the slowdown button has been forced on all of us. So instead of, instead of viewing it as, um, as sort of a hindrance to our normal lifestyle, let's just back it up a little bit and make the most of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even in schools, like, the best news I've heard in this whole pandemic is the FSAs have been canceled this year. Yeah. Standardized tests. Yeah. So these kids are still going to have to learn and hopefully they'll go back to school for a bit. Um, you no, know, I'm not holding my breath though, but it's a great opportunity for them just to be able to learn now. You're not being trained to pass a test. And, and tie has been A B student the last couple of academic years. He's really fought his way up and fails the FSA every year. Really? Because, yeah. you know, it's it's one way of thinking and it right. doesn't gel with him at all. So I think that's gonna be good for our kids. I mean, we're taking away the, some of the play element, but the stress of not having to go to school, even though I understand that the school the summer break is long, it'll be interesting to seeing hopefully some positive changes in yeah. in kids' you know mental health. Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned about getting engaged. Firstly, congratulations. Thank you. Thank so I've never asked, I think I asked you this in the last one. Walk me through relationships whilst battling addiction and then why it was so different the other side.
1: Well, relationships in addiction are usually can go one of two ways. You either, you either find somebody who is Going through similar things and, um, you know, those, those relationships are usually very volatile, fun sometimes, but, but volatile and usually crash and burn. Or you find someone who is just a normal caring person, but you're so like wrapped up in your, what's going on with you. You can't really, you know, you can't emotionally, um, you can't emotionally attract to anyone because you're just, you know, just dying inside. Mm -hmm. So, And once you start to heal, even in early recovery, man, relationships are really hard. There's a reason why any sponsor, any sponsor worth his, worth his salt will tell his sponsee, his or her sponsee to stay away from relationships for your first year of sobriety. Uh, It's just, it's just too much. And those, it's like when you're, when you're in early recovery, you're, you're relearning all those emotions because you've you know, you've drowned those emotions or, or drowned them or drugged them or whatever. So you didn't have to feel those things or, or at least couldn't feel those things for however long your active addiction was. And you really do, it really is like relearning how to, how to be just a person. Um, and, and for me, it was a, it was a long, it was a long journey back for that. I had really given up, um, even in, in early sobriety, when I, when I was a healthier, much healthier person, you know, I kept going back to relationships that were bad for me because really I'm just, you know, I'm a slow learner. So I just had to go make sure. And just like it was, just like all of my relapses with alcohol, the relapses with the bad relationships were the same. Yep. This doesn't work. Uh, you know, God was right. Stay away. So, and I gave it some time. And, you know, finally met a great person, very understanding. Uh, I made sure that she understood where I was coming from. Uh, you know, just lifestyle wise with the recovery stuff, you know, that's, uh, something that she deserved to be aware of early on to make sure that this is something that she would want to be involved with. Um, she took her time, thought about it. We kept it casual for a while and we both decided that this was, you know, it, it was good for both of us and, you know, we just we just clicked on a level that I couldn't have imagined two years ago. Here we are.
0: Yeah. Well, firstly, it's, it's awesome because, like you said, what was it now? Two must have been what two? Just under two and a half years ago when I saw you right at the end of the rope, as you yeah. said. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Two, two so, years, three months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's no better example. When you hear people say, "Oh, you you can't." love someone else until you love yourself and that sounds like a great phrase but i think it's hard for people to picture that but i think an addict is a perfect example like how can you have a healthy relationship and i've had many many people who's you know either parents were alcoholics they were you know and and that's just it there's in the thralls of addiction even if all there's all the best intentions, there is no actual love to be given because, you know, you're literally destroying yourself. So I think it's a, a great analogy as well, a tragic analogy for that very thing. Like if you if you've it may not be addiction, it may just be self loathing, whatever it is, but you you owe it to yourself to to find that self love. And then to me you're gonna be like a lighthouse. And you're going to attract the right person.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's really what I felt like happened to me, you know, as soon as, as soon as I was able to, you know, treat myself with a little grace and understanding and and cut myself some slack when I wasn't at my best, then I could really, you know, I could really accept love. Um, And it's hard. I had this conversation the other day with a, with a colleague and we were talking about people in addiction and he You know, alluded to the fact. You know, why doesn't why doesn't this person that we were talking about? Why doesn't he just understand that we just want to help? You know, we just we just care. We want to help. We're all behind him. And I said, I said, you know, you're you're asking a person who doesn't give a shit if they wake up tomorrow to buy into the fact that 150 people have nothing but their best interest in mind and love them and support them and want want them to be healthy. And it's just for the addict, it's, you just, it's unfathomable. You can't, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't even imagine yeah. that one person, much less a, a huge group of people gives two shits. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's the same with the, the, uh, the suicide element too. So, you know, it's so easy. And I talk about this a lot, how people throw um, like the word coward, Yeah, you know, yeah. to, to that. And when you start, hearing from people firsthand like kevin hines and you know and you and other people and you understand that in your warped world and i say warped because the brain is just completely malfunctioning you know it that you think you're a burden on the world absolutely that reef reframes you're like well i don't understand why chad doesn't just you know snap out of it and see that we're like the way he sees the world I think there's a really, you know, kind of good analogy that I stumbled across recently. There are people who are devout Christians who believe whatever their version of hell is. Like for eternity, they're going to be in this horrendous place who still choose to kill themselves versus living in here. So, A, it's their own hell and B, that they think they're such a burden. They would take that option to free their family from that burden. So, that's such a, a skewed perspective. The I think it's a very important lesson for the helpers is to realize that you you can't just reason with an addict with with someone who's suicidal. It, it's a different that you need to have those places where where they can immerse themselves around other people that get it. Yeah,
1: no, you that's that's put perfectly. Uh, um, reasoning with the person who is having suicidal ideation and or in active addiction is it's not a thing. It's you know it's, they're they're beyond reason. You're absolutely right, and you're right. Uh, I know when I was seriously considering taking my own life, everywhere I went, I could only see disgust in other people's eyes when they looked at me. Now that wasn't real. Mm-hmm. I mean, some some cases it may have been, but not every single person. And it it was really overwhelming. And it was you know it's it's so just intrusive. Those thoughts are just so you know, hard to shake that, that you are just a burden. And, um, and I think it really hits probably first responders even more than your average person, because first responders are the helpers. We're Mm, the, the fixers. We're the fixers. Right. And how big of a blow to your, to your emotional health and your ego is it to think that you are now the burden, not the, not the helper. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, that's what I struggle with most is, you know, being, being home alone, inactive addiction, you know, thinking about uh, what was going on at work, all the things that I should be doing to help. You know, I was, I was home, um, home alone drinking when Irma came through Mm -hmm. and, you know, I said, here I am, you know. Uh, category whatever hurricane is fixing to wipe my city off the map, and I'm home alone drinking, and they don't want me to come to work. I mean, it was that was probably my one of, eh, that's probably my lowest point. Yeah, yeah, because then I, I felt completely worthless because all of my self worth was tied directly into you know being that uh being that contributor, being that you know that that first response helper, and that was not even in the cards for me at that point, I was pretty sure that my career was over. Mm. So the shame and the guilt. Yeah. Oh God, it's always, it all comes back to shame and guilt mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. So
0: in our first discussion and for everyone, I'm going to put it in the intro, make sure they listen to the first one first. Now you you talk about your early childhood, you Mm -hmm. know, and there was a huge amount of trauma and what I've seen through some of the guests, you've got addiction in the obvious um uh, you know alleyways or whatever you want to call it um you've got you know your your narcotics you got alcohol you got gambling you got even porn comes up sometimes but people don't think about exercise i had ashley tabor on the the show and and she was a crossfit um athlete and she lost a little boy um to cancer i believe it was and she threw herself into exercise and almost self-destroyed that way you know, and, but another area that I see a lot, and I just had a discussion with, um, with a, a policeman as well about this is work. So we, we all know those men and women that basically never go home. They take all the overtime they can. They go teach, they go, you know, whatever. Um, and I've got, um, uh, a guy on James Johnson, who is one of the kind of building construction in the fire service gurus that's doing a lot of FDIC oh, talks yeah, okay. and that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, uh, he was talking about, um burnout about you know you're trying to be that that go-getter that that door kicker in the fire service and at first we always just thought those guys like yeah that's exactly what they are they're they're the door kickers but now i realize there's a lot of us that use shifts use work to fill those areas in our minds that we really should be taking the time to address absolutely
1: yeah it was it it It's so true. Uh, I, I I was there, you know, I, I felt like when I was still, when I was still relatively hanging on, uh, I did, I worked every, every minute that I could, because that, that was the only replacement for drugs and alcohol that, that really made any sort of gave me any sort of good feeling that in the gym. Mm -hmm. And absolutely you can. I mean, I, I, so funny. I, I, I think about it now and, and you're like, uh, you know, 10 years ago, you know, on a Saturday morning, they're calling for overtime and the guys on the way out the door said, "Nope, man, I can't do it this time. I'm going golf with my brother. I'd been like, man, what a piece of shit. I can't believe that guy doesn't want to work. <laughs> that guy gets it, man. That's the guy that gets it. Right. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's a really important message if, you know, a little, a little self inventory isn't bad for anybody. Um, and you know alcoholics that in, that that follow the steps do a pretty a, a pretty thorough self inventory every so often and it's always a good thing and if you and if you take your inventory and you find that you're Spending two or three hours a day at the gym and working every minute that you possibly can, and your relationships are suffering. And if you really can't look back at that and say, okay, this is bringing me joy, then it's something to, something to consider. Like you said, find out, you know, find out what's missing, Mm -hmm. you know, what really needs to be replaced. Yeah.
0: I think what's more alarming when you are in any of the professions that work shifts us, you know, the hospitals, whatever it is. And you taking over time results in less sleep. Oh yeah. That's the that's the thing that people don't understand. And like I said, I I say this all the time. I only understood five years ago I listened to Kurt Parsley for the first time. Um and that's what I don't think people realize is the more you work as a firefighter if you're if you're gonna be up in any way, shape or form at night, you are compounding the problem that is already horrendous. That we're working way too much. I mean that's the thing that we're gonna see when this thing plays out is our first responders are probably a lot more vulnerable than people realize because
1: we're working them into the ground. Yeah. I mean, if this, if this virus continues to, uh, to grow, like some of the models suggest, I mean, it's going to, departments are going to go to alpha Bravo shifts and they're just going to be hot racking it, you know, 12 Mm. hours on 12 hours off. And, um, and I, I can guarantee you that when the call for help goes out, at least every man and woman that I know and have worked with, their hand will go up, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. That is not a sustainable lifestyle Mm -hmm. and hopefully we can get through it quick. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's like red alert time. Right. But up to that
0: point, and I think I talked about someone else, but we had a a politician in Miami beach talking about deliberately exposing all first responders to therefore inoculate them and firstly what a fucking idiot yep. let me just put that out there yep. secondly it needs to be said again what a fucking idiot but thirdly <laughs> um that's also of the assumption that first responders on a day-to-day basis are super healthy super resilient but they're not because as you and I know the shifts are, you know are creating a very very unhealthy workforce and again I'm all for 24 it's just 2472 that's to me in the gold standard but you know you're asking people junior doctors another perfect example or residents you know 60 hour weeks these are the people we're looking to now to keep everything going and these are the ones that society has worked into the ground yeah they're already redlining yeah so i hope that comes out the other side like we needed to do things differently
1: yeah we have i I think this is this can be an opportunity to revisit a lot of things and i think that's definitely one Yeah.
0: yeah right well you had mentioned when we talked before that there were some things that you didn't say in the first conversation that you wanted to in this one. Is there anything specific or is it
1: I can't I can't recall anything specific. Um you know my st- my story is an open book now. I tried to uh, because of my sponsor's direction protect a little bit of anonymity and um and also not talk too much about uh the program that I follow because anonymous is literally in the name. Yeah. So, but I've kind of gotten past that. I think that, I think that that is keeping people sick, to be honest with you. I think that it's important to know for, for people who are in the situation that I was two and a half years ago to know that, um, that we're out there and we do recover and it's just, and it's just not a small group of people, um, you know, drinking black coffee and talking about the good old days because that's not how it is uh you know we're healthy we're happy and we're out here just living our best fucking life and and it can happen for you too if you'll take a little bit of direction
0: yeah well and i think that's a very good point i never thought about that before but the anonymity in, in, in an environment where there was so much shame around addiction oh god still yeah. you know i mean the same till it's still going on now but yeah it's I think not, it's it's not nearly
1: as bad as what those early folks yeah dealt with though. i mean
0: so that's the goal is for it to just be yeah you know alcoholics yeah. group yeah. support group whatever there, there's there shouldn't be a need for anonymity the same as i mean so many things you know because there's so much hypocrisy when you actually look at you know addiction especially alcoholism i mean there's a bottle of Jack, uh, Jim beam over there yeah, I mean, you know what i mean so and there ain't a damn thing wrong with that yeah well i mean unless it's unless it's abused but that yeah, fucking stuff and i talked about this with the the policeman yesterday um is it also a terrifying substance even for the regular person? Cause I find myself, that's why I took the month off is, you know, there's the tendency to have one at lunch now. And, but the other thing is, and I, I spoke with him, name me any other thing that you consume makes you violently ill. And then the next night you're ready to do it again. Right. Yeah, man. You know, chicken, shrimp, you wouldn't eat that for <laughs> yeah, months, you, wouldn't be able to eat. Yeah.
1: you know? And, uh, one, one, one really cool thing about, um, you know, have, having my story out there and getting to sit down with you the first time is I've had a lot of people just like you did, just want to take a break, see what it's all about. Not not alcoholics for sure, problem drinkers, maybe, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, and, and you know, to, to a person, they're like, I can't believe how good I feel. I feel so good. Um, things are going well. I'm happier. Things just seem easier. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's it. And um, even, and then they say, you know, even... If and when I do go back to drinking alcohol, it'll never be like it was before, because it really just becomes a thing where you get home from a long day of work and you pour a glass of wine, and that's the routine, and then that's two glasses or whatever. And if you're a tr- if you're an alcoholic like me, and you have an allergy to alcohol where you can't stop once you start, um, then obviously that's that's the road to nowhere. But um, if you If drinking alcohol is causing you problems, even if it's a hangover, then you have a problem with alcohol. Mm -hmm. I have a problem with alcohol. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of people. people, Anybody can. Yeah. Anybody can. And, and,
0: and, you know, to the point where I don't have, I mean, I don't, I've never drunk a lot and I always feel like shit, even if it's, if it basically won earlier in the evening is okay. Anything more than that. And and I absolutely feel it the next day.
1: Yeah. So you have to ask yourself why you keep going back, just Mm -hmm. like your point earlier. Mm -hmm. Why'd I keep doing it? And it's because I know for me, um, alcohol was always just the off switch. You know, my brain could be in a washing machine. My my whole life could be a total dumpster fire, but a couple drinks and I didn't give a fuck about any of it. And that was, that was how it started for me. Mm -hmm. Obviously I have the disease, but it was the, the looking for an escape route is what, you know, got me to where my life became unmanageable.
0: Yeah. Now, well, speaking, I mean, the the whole dumpster fire analogy, again, as you were very courageous and, and transparent about your early life, there was a reason why, you know, you were put on a certain path and it, it took ownership a couple of times in your life to steer it back and you did, but there's still some fucking, you know, groundwork there yeah. that, that caused that. Yeah, it was no accident. So what, what have you found now a, a, another year later as far as um, types of counseling... Or, or no counseling that's that's helped you move further away from that side of things?
1: Well, I have done quite a bit of counseling in the last couple of years. Um not not all targeted towards my trauma, but obviously that's that's an underlying theme of everything. Um, you know, my, my sexual abuse as a as a child and then um you know, seeing my grandfather uh get hit by a car and killed in front of me when I was around twelve or so, it's just things that it never occurred to me that that those things were still in there, you know, kind of wreaking havoc and it wasn't until uh you know talking about those things and sort of letting them come to the surface and processing them and allowing myself to feel like shit about those things and feel that you know feel that shame shame's an appropriate uh emotion for a short time it's not you know not the oppressive i'm a um I don't deserve to live shame that a lot of addicts myself included feel, but that all those things have to be processed, and I think again, just talking about it, having people being willing to to say, Hey, this happened to me, this is where it took me it doesn't have to be that way for you yeah. um there's nothing to be ashamed about. I didn't do anything um to cause what happened to me to happen, right, yeah, and it took me a long time to accept that. And once I finally did, it wasn't like hitting a light switch, and all of a sudden I felt great about myself, but it allowed me to start healing. Yeah, and that was what was important for me. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting parallel. I'm about to get um,
0: a Hungarian woman who now lives in Canada named tamia Naji, and she was a victim of sex trafficking. She basically answered an ad for nannying work in Canada, got caught up, but the whole time as things were happening, there was again that self-blame like well this isn't rape this is i'm probably just giving the wrong message you know whatever it is until it became like full-on prostitution by that time she got it but the people that were involved in these initial rings were basically psychologically beating these women down and then putting them into a place where they felt so desperate financially it was all you know complete facade smoke and mirrors um and that's the thing i think a lot of people don't understand about that area is you think it's Someone gets snatched off the street and then taken to another country. Right. Normally, it's not; it's right under our our noses. But again, that I hear that you know with with um, with her with Iris Gardner, I had on um, that feeling of of blame. Like y- this happened because you obviously did something to, to to send the wrong signals or whatever it was. Right, right. And I think that's a a theme that I see a lot. Is once people say no that you know mentally give give themselves permission to to understand that they were the victim you know
1: not a victim mentality but
0: that you were a victim Mm -hmm. of abuse
1: yeah um i think it's uh, maybe maybe it's just a certain personality type but i think it's easier to accept blame um personally than it is to assign blame and i think that's where a lot of us get in trouble like um i know you know i'm raised in the south you know you 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 don't talk about personal business and you mind your own. So having these things out there was never really like you never heard about stuff like this. You 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 you, you heard it in hushed tones, but it was never like, hey, this happened and we're going to do something about it. It was like, hey, this happened. Everybody fucking keep it quiet. Right. Um, And it's and it's all just revolves around shame and shame for the person that the thing happened to it. And it's shame for everybody around them because they couldn't do anything to stop it. And no one, no one deserves any blame there. It was a shitty thing. Not, not in this lady's case. Those people deserve bad things to happen to them. But in my case, no, no one could have done anything. It was a shitty thing to happen. Nobody could have foresaw it. And it just is one of those things. And I've accepted it. And I think for the most part, everyone sort of surrounding it, my family and stuff has accepted it too. And we've, we've all moved past it. But really, that's the thing that i would encourage anybody who has been through a similar thing is to uh, make sure that you're get you're getting with a professional that can help you process that shame because for me i I would have never i would have never gotten it done on my own and had i not addressed it it would have led me to a relapse
0: Yeah. yeah yeah well it's interesting as well with with trauma hidden I've been trying to write this book when I say trying it's the perfect example like I'm yeah. <laughs> getting nowhere so yeah. there's no excuse with this this um, virus and not at least make some some progress but so I'm going back and really trying to because it's not a biography but I'm just trying to find some some you know s- lessons within my own life that I can apply to what I'm writing and I totally forgot that I almost died in a house fire as a child like I fuck like forgot like i've been a fireman for 15 years 14 years it didn't even register and so i started looking back and i was like well shit and i used to get horrendous night terrors like they had to put bars on my bedroom window because they caught me halfway out of a third Whoa. story window one time yeah um i wet the bed i've never said this on so let's <laughs> share some secrets i wet the bed till literally i i want to say it was like Thirteen. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Trauma. And so now, yeah, I look yeah. back and talk about shame. Yeah. Being a teenager that west the bed hey. is pretty fucking yeah. embarrassing. For sure. But, you know, I wonder now how much, if it was the fire, if it was maybe something else that I haven't, you know, can't remember. Well, but
1: you don't know, dude. No. I mean, so, so. A house fires.
0: Exactly. So, when you, um, when you think about things that aren't going right, you don't have to be in crisis for counseling to to help. You might just pull something out that you totally forgot about or Absolutely. you may have even deliberately blocked out for yeah. self-preservation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that's I think that's real. I think our our brains and our bodies do have the ability to uh to shunt those things to to try to protect us. Um, you know, acutely, it works. Chronically is where the problem comes in, you know, the long-term you know, I mean, your your heart knows that there's something in there, and if you don't know what it is and you can't process it, then eventually it's going to make you sick.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, then, speaking of positive outlets, and sadly, Frank, this uh, NYPD officer, his gym closed shortly after. Um, tell me about uh, Recovery RX um and then you know obviously sadly right now everything's kind of a standstill as far as a communal space but what did you see for the the few months that you were doing that
1: it was it was great like i said i have to give a lot of credit to um to chrissy and sophie out in sparks nevada who run reps for recovery which is a website that i just stumbled on when i was in active addiction and i thought how great it would be to have something like that to help me on my road so i went out and met with with uh sophie and they were all amazing and um you know got some got some advice and some ideas and, and brought it back to jack's beach and yeah we've really just created a space uh over at drive fitness on jack's beach uh jeff and stacy that run that place have been amazing they let us use this space for free <clears throat> you know every other sunday and we've had a great response uh we have people that are in recovery that come people that are new in recovery that come people that just want to support that come i mean we have anywhere from from six to 15 people you know every other week and and it's only growing we're about to do some expansion into gainesville and st augustine and the the response has just been great i just did a t-shirt fundraiser where I sold almost 200 t shirts. I could have never imagined um, that we would get that kind of response. And that money is going to go directly to uh, supporting people in early recovery, find transitional housing. Because that was um, after that, before my last relapse, when it almost took me down, um, I got caught in that space between inpatient treatment and back to life as usual. I rushed myself back because I just, I wasn't surrendered. I had to start getting back, you know, getting back all the things that I felt like I lost. Um, You know, I had to get back and I had to get back with that girl. I had to get back to work. I had to do this and I had to do that. And I feel like if I had had that transitional housing uh, sort of soft landing, I think it would have been different to be able to bounce those stupid ideas off other people that are full of stupid ideas is really, is really cathartic. So, yeah. So, um, that transitional housing, uh, the set, my second time around my, my last time in treatment was probably the key to me getting and staying sober, having that community full of other men that were going through the same things that I were and trying to figure out the same problems that I was, um, is really what gave me, it gave me, the, the solid footing that I needed to come back and get back to life as usual, and I came back better than ever now sure i had been I had been beat down enough to where I had finally surrendered, and I could take some direction but having that that transitional phase between inpatient treatment and um and normal life was key for me
0: brilliant well you talked about um reps of recovery i know frank this this uh policeman had reached out to them as well and his is reps for responders um but as i was talking to him what's powerful to me is you've got basically potentially three of the healing elements you've got exercise you've got community and then if you do a beach workout a park workout just in the back of the gym then you've also got nature as well absolutely um and it kind of reminds me of uh, Tom Hewitt, who's a, a guy I had on the show who runs Surfers Not Street Kids in Africa. And they take children that are homeless and they teach them how to surf. And the most powerful thing for me of their whole discussion was after these kids are done training for the day, surfing for the day, they sit on the beach and they actually have counselors that sit with the kids and they start doing counseling with these children and obviously addressing some of the mental health issues. But the catharsis of nature and and an exercise that they love creates a you know a much greater openness for discussion versus you just walked into a doctor's office and you sit down and say all right tell me about your childhood yeah
1: yeah 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 it absolutely does i've I found the same thing i know for me it's a lot easier um to to be open when when i've had a good workout uh that that's really uh, again that's an example that reps for recovery set is they started doing um uh, some some informal talk therapy after their workout sessions and i think it's it's the perfect model for people like us because the problem with with people like me and and i think people in general is just slowing down long enough to to get out what's going on to even process what's going on and of course a nice hard crossfit workout or a nice uh power lifting sesh or whatever is is perfect it's perfect for that
0: Brilliant. So, if you want to contribute to that, I know right now we're obviously in this bizarre hold, but I mean, by the time this goes out, I'm hoping that we're going to start seeing over the crest and back to normal again. But where can they where can they contribute? Where can they find out more about um, uh, Recovery RX and how they contribute to your program?
1: Well, please follow us on on social media. You can follow myself, Chad Belger, on Facebook or Instagram, and also Recovery RX Corp on uh, Instagram. And Recovery RX page on Facebook, and if you would like to uh, contribute to uh, to get an addict into transitional living and get them on gym membership, uh, you can Venmo Recovery RX, and we will have uh, more options uh, for T-shirt sales and also donations in the near future. So stay tuned. Brilliant. All right. Well, I want to transition
0: to some closing questions. I, th- I think we did this last time as well, but it's been a year now. So first one,
1: a book that you recommend. So I have read over the last probably six months, four or five different books about introversion. And my favorite so far has been The Introvert's Edge. Anybody who feels like they may lean towards introversion, this will give you a lot of tips how to to better sell yourself and how to better integrate into a world of extroverts. I got a lot out of it
0: brilliant yeah i know it's quite a few of the people that have been on are actually introverts it's amazing how many people you think are extroverts based on what they do for a living that actually the complete opposite
1: yeah brilliant all right what about a movie uh well i got a fun one and a serious one the serious one um if you haven't watched and you are interested in learning a lot about or at least getting some familiarity with the plight of addicts and people with mental health issues is called kiss by god the andy iron story and on a fun one if you are not watching or have not watched tiger king yet you're doing it wrong that oh, really? is is it good? <laughs> it's so amazing <laughs> i keep saying it yeah. and i'm like i i i want i, I
0: love those netflix you know true yeah true crime yep. ones but it's it's it almost screams of the way that um discovery channel and history channel started going from real stories yeah, yeah, to yeah. all of a sudden you know those those fucking towing shows right you, you know yeah. what i mean
1: yeah it's a little like that man but it is so deep and it's so like people are just so weird and interesting and it's just a perfect example Okay, perfect example of that have you seen don't fuck
0: with cats yet oh gosh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah dude all right, so the next question. Is there a person that you would recommend to come on the podcast as a guest to speak uh, to
1: planet Earth and beyond? For, for local impact, I'd love to see you get Mo on. Marine Collins? Yep. Brilliant.
0: Um, well, that's locally. Is there anyone else? Doesn't, it doesn't have to be someone that you know personally.
1: Gosh, man, there's so many. Uh, I mean, Chrissy? Chrissy May Cagney from uh, Rapture Recovery. She She's the founder of Rapture Recovery. She's a very interesting person from what I can gather on her social media. And uh, I know that she, she started a, a, an amazing program in Nevada. And she seems like uh, she seems really solid in her recovery and posts a lot about it. And she's an influencer and she's changed a lot of people's perception awesome. of, of what it looks like to be an addict for sure. Brilliant. All right.
0: So, um... I'm sure it's probably similar to to the answer last time because you've moved close to the beach now. But yeah. what do you do to decompress?
1: Uh, surf, surf, <laughs> man. Yep. So let's talk about that for a second. Very time. poorly, but uh, so, I'm in there.
0: So you moved, you moved to the place that you basically dreamt of being. I know it took was just moving house. It was,
1: just took doing it. Yeah. yeah. And trusting my and really trusting myself. I had this conversation, you know, a little while ago. I've taken several trips since I've been sober. And I used to never go anywhere because I never knew if I'd make it back. You know, Mm -hmm. like what what will happen? Well, if I go try to do a thing, what will happen? Well, I know what will happen. I'll get drunk and lose my keys or get thrown out of the hotel and end up sleeping in the car or whatever the hell other crazy shit used to always happen. But now I can really trust myself that if I if I really if I make a decision and I think about it for a while and I give it some time and I keep coming back to that same decision, I can trust myself that that's a legitimate thing that I want. It's not just. Me trying to fill that void again with something new. Yeah. So, so yeah, man, I just, I, my lease ran out in Gainesville and, uh, I put my shit in the car and moved to Jack's Beach and it's the best thing I've done in a long time. Yeah. Yep. See, I mean, what I love about that is you just, you just did it, you know, and so many
0: people think, oh, I can never do insert thing here. Right. And it's like, you know, is it guaranteed to work out? No. Nope. But if you love the beach, I love the beach, but I love where I am. And for Tyre right now, this community is awesome. Like I right. know we could sell this house and go live by the beach. Yeah. But it would be a different dynamic and right. it wouldn't be the best for, for a 12-year-old kid that's in a local school here. Right, but, right. But um, you know, that's the only barrier. And if we had an empty nest and wanted to, then, then we would too. But um I heard this this cop in an interview with Mark Bell when he was with him saying about some of the the guys that he met that were alcoholics talking about well they used to work in a bar or in a restaurant and they had to give up their job to, to stay sober and I thought that's such a simple thing really but it's something a lot of people wouldn't think about and it's the same with with the fire department I mean I know so many people are just miserable where they work and I'm not saying give up the first time you have a bad day but right. you know if it's a toxic toxic relationship uh, you know environment. But also with, with housing, if you dreamt of living somewhere, just do it. Yep. You know? Just do it,
1: man. Make it happen. It's not the end of the world. And that, I think that's a great, a great message for uh, young for people that are already in public service and, and young people that are thinking about getting into it, is you can't assign all of your worth to that. Well, you shouldn't assign it to any one thing and certainly don't assign it to just uh, being a firefighter or being a cop or being a whatever um you have to have a full life and if being in public service just isn't working out for you there is no shame in saying i'm gonna go try something else you served presumably admirably for however long and you can be proud of that but if it's making you miserable brother sister go do something else yeah or a
0: different department or a different department i mean i've worked for four i've got both ends of the spectrum in that that gamut you know best and worst and i tell you right now if, if If I went from from the worst to the best, I'd still stay as a fireman, but I'd be living that life in a completely different way. So happy, seeing so much fire, you know, making a difference, you know. So sometimes it may not be that you even don't want to be doing the profession, but you're just in the wrong wrong place with the wrong people.
1: Yeah. 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 That's legit.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Well, I I just want to say thank you again. I mean, to to see this journey, um, to have stood in your home, and like you said, what you I think I think and I, I was chatting with you guys for an hour, maybe, yep. and you know I think you got through like eight
1: buds <laughs> yeah. while we were standing yeah, I there. Yeah, Must have been taking it easy, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But it's but yeah. it's you know painting the picture. To, oh God, yeah, dude, I, was, I was, saying, was a disaster, man. Yeah, but I barely but I
0: mean, uh, You know, you you were one of so many people, yeah, and it, you know some of whom is not manifesting in that way. It, it's a different way, sure, you know. But um, and then to be you know to hear you say I'm gonna go to this this facility one more time and if it doesn't work this is it which you know was very loud and clear to then a you know a year after that sitting with you the first time and then here we are again you're engaged yeah you're living by the beach you've started recovery rx um it's fucking awesome it's awesome amazing
1: it's it's really it's really really amazing how good recovery is um and if i could just leave your listeners with a final thing is uh You know, during these tense times, uh, you know, check on somebody today, because you never know what people are going through.